thank you so much for joining us this morning. We're really grateful to have this opportunity to speak into your homes and into your lives. If you're just joining us for the first time this week, we're actually in the middle of our summer series, which we've called Heroes of Faith. And over the last three weeks, we've given different people in the church an opportunity to, to share a message on someone in the Bible that they consider to be a hero and we all have favorite bible stories or favorite bible characters maybe uh, yours is jonah and the whale or the story of noah and the ark maybe you have a favorite character maybe it's joshua or moses or elijah or paul maybe your uh, favorite person is someone who's a little bit less known outside of the Christian world, someone like Zacchaeus or Deborah or Barnabas. And, and for whatever reason, certain Bible stories or characters resonate with us personally. Maybe we're excited by their stories, maybe we are inspired by their faith, or maybe we see something of ourselves in that character, something we aspire to be, something we aspire to do, or maybe something in their life story that actually just speaks to us on a deeper, more personal level. Um, so over the next two weeks, I get the opportunity to talk to you about my favourite character in the Bible, and he's found in the book of Judges. So I'd love you, if you've got a Bible to hand, why don't you turn to Judges chapter 6, where we'll find the story of a man named Gideon. Now, just before I read, I want to give you a bit of context for the passage. The Israelites, the nation of Israel, they have now settled into the promised land. They were led out of captivity by Moses. They had 40 years in the wilderness. Moses died. Joshua took on the mantle. He took the people into the promised land. He took them into the land God had promised them. But what happened after Joshua died, the people got comfortable. And in the end, they forgot about God and actually turned away from God and turned away from all the things God had told them to do, the ways God had told them to live their lives. So rather than protect the people, God allowed other nations to come in and conquer the Israelites. And when the Israelites realise that they've gone so far away from God and they're in so much trouble, they turn to God. And God in his mercy sends a rescuer, sends a hero, sends someone that we know as a judge to go and lead the people and to uh, set them free. And these people are known as the judges, people like Ehud, uh, people like Deborah, Barak, Gideon, Samson. They're all known as judges who came to, to rescue their people from a foreign land. And this process just goes on and on. You can tell by the number of judges I named that there's a cycle to this where they turn to God. A, God, a judge rescues them. They, they have peace in their land and then slowly they turn away from God again. They get captured. They get conquered. They turn to God again. God sends another judge. And it's called the cycle of apostasy. And it actually it's a, it's a cycle that continues for 300 years through the Bible where this Israel, the Israelite nation is continually attacked by a different nation, then it's rescued, then they have peace, then they turn away from God, and then they're attacked again, and then they turn to God again, and that cycle continues. So we find uh, the, our story, the story of Gideon, probably about 100, 120 years into this cycle, so maybe about halfway through. And what's been happening at this time, the nation of Israel has been repeatedly attacked 
by a, a nation uh, known as the Midianites. Now, the, the Midianite tactic wasn't to go in and conquer the land, but it was to basically go in once a year, strip the land bare and go away again. And what they would do, they would, they would time their attack just perfectly enough so the Israelites had maybe resettled, rebuilt, recovered, started to plant again and the Midianites would attack every harvest. So the Israelites would spend a year growing new crops, the Midianites would come in and sweep everything away, strip the land bare and then go home leaving the Israelites with nothing. So this left the nation of Israel not only starving, but it left them demotivated. And for seven years, we read in the Bible, this happened. Every harvest, they came back and stripped the land dry. And by now, after seven years, the Israelites are hiding in the mountains, trying to scramble together whatever harvest they can keep for themselves before the, the oncoming Midianite attack. And this is where we find Gideon. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to read from Judges chapter 6 and then verse 11. And it says this, Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Oprah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Ebezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a winepress to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord has brought us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. The Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. So when we meet Gideon, he is a hero in hiding. He's hiding in a wine press to thresh wheat and he's threshing by hand which we know is a method only used by the poor. He's a hero in hiding. He's, he's threshing wheat by hand in the bottom of a wine press um, and he's doing this because he knows it's too dangerous to, to thresh the wheat out in the open. We know from later on in Gideon's story that two of his brothers had been killed in Midianite raids previous to this uh, episode and, and so he's doing it to keep himself alive and he's also doing it to protect the grain that would actually keep his family alive for another season. And then Gideon's eyes are attracted to someone sitting under a tree and I've always wondered what went through Gideon's mind as he looks at this man resting under a tree while he does this this backbreaking work of threshing wheat and I wonder if he thought well who's this? Why isn't this person working? How can he just sit there while we sweat? Doesn't he know the dangers? Doesn't he know the risks we're under? Doesn't he know how hard we have to work to keep our, our livelihood, to keep our families alive, to keep ourselves safe? And so Gideon looks a little closer and this person looks a little different. 
And, and my personal conviction is this is an example of theophany, uh, where, where God appears physically in human form to people, either in the form of a man or an angel. Theophany basically means you know, the appearance of God on earth before uh, he came as Jesus. And, and I like that because it's an incredible reassurance because it tells me that, that we can be hiding in dark places, but God can still find us. You know, God's grace knows exactly where we are. Psalm 137 says that even in darkness, we can't hide from God because his love and his grace chases us down. And this angel then says to him, the first words the angel say to him is this, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Now just pause on those words. Here's Gideon hiding in a wine press. He's tired. He's afraid. He's frustrated. And along comes God and his first words to Gideon are mighty hero. And Gideon's response is interesting because he doesn't quite catch on to that mighty hero bit first. The first thing he does is he questions whether God is actually with him, whether God is actually real. Where has God been, he asks, and where is God now? But God turns it round and says, this is about you. Go in the strength you have. I'm sending you. But Gideon, despite God himself speaking to him, still has questions. And this time it's not about God, but it's about himself. But, but God, my, my clan is the weakest in our tribe and I'm the lowest. I'm the least in my family. I can't do this. I'm from the wrong family and I'm not even prominent in my family. I'm not the person you're looking for. Jeff Lucas, who's a great uh, preacher, he said this, that cynicism is an inability to trust and believe in God. But insecurity is an inability to believe in the value of yourself. And Gideon suffered from both. See, Gideon was saying, I'm not good enough. Now, he wasn't being modest here. His, I think his insecurity was actually inbuilt into him. I think his modesty was, was passed down through generations. It was a message that, that ran through his ancestry of feeling second best. And I think it was ingrained in him because of something that happened years ago. If you go back through the Bible, you find a story of Jacob where Jacob pulls in the sons of Joseph, so essentially his grandsons, Ephraim and Manasseh. Now Manasseh was the oldest son, and Manasseh is actually the, the ancestral head of Gideon's tribe. Gideon is of the tribe of Manasseh. And so Jacob pulls in these, these two grandsons, and he's about to, as culture would dictate, he's about to bless the oldest son. He's about to bless Manasseh. But just as he's about to bless Manasseh, he switches his hands over and he blesses Ephraim. He blesses the youngest son. And in that moment, Manasseh is passed over. Manasseh doesn't get the blessing. Manasseh is second best. And I wonder if through the years, his tribe never forgot that, that they were the second best tribe, the passed over tribe, the tribe that didn't get the blessing. And maybe it's why I like Gideon 
as a Bible character. I do enjoy reading of his feelings of, of not being good enough for this, not being adequate for the task. You've got the wrong guy. Um, because actually, I can relate to that. And I'm sure that many of you watching or listening to this may have moments where you, you felt that same way. And I remember moments in school where, where I felt that I was never quite good enough. I'm not the most academic person, but in, in primary school, I remember vividly an, an assembly at the end of year six, when the headmaster would, would uh, do these special awards. And we'd had these awards going through for the whole of year six. Every Friday, we had a special assembly and, and there were special awards and everyone got an award for something. And you get a weekly award, you know, for reading or spelling or sporting or anything kind of academic um, but I never got anything I don't remember getting an award at all in year six and we got to the the final assembly of the year and and they were giving out more awards you know so the the, the best uh, most improved person at maths through the year the, the best English through the year uh, spelling most improved handwriting um, best at PE uh, football player of the year, rugby player of the year, art, music, whatever, whatever it was, there was an award for something. And I watched all my friends, all kind of 25 of my, of my classmates go up and collect awards. And I was still there thinking, I, I haven't got one. There, there's nothing that I've done that's exceptional. There's nothing that I've done that, 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 that uh, warrants a reward. And then I heard my name and they, and they pulled me up and they, they, they called me up to the front and this was my award. And, and I remember the certificate. I can see the certificate in my mind now. And it's a white certificate with black letters and it says special award for, for Gareth Jenkins for being enthusiastic. That was my award. And, and outside I smiled, I thought, oh wow, I've been noticed for my enthusiasm. And I'm sure my teachers never meant this, but I was devastated because it spoke to me that nothing I did was good enough, that I was just enthusiastic. And I probably was, but it, it spoke to me that there was nothing that I had done had met anyone's standards. Nothing I'd done was ever good enough. I was just enthusiastic. I had a go. Um, and, and in comprehensive school, I remember we used to get our, our school reports and the way our comprehensive school worked was if you, you, were, you were judged on effort. And if you got uh, an A for effort, that was, you know, that was great. And what would happen is they would tally up your effort grades. And if you got more than seven A's, then you got a head of year stamp. And if you got more than 10 A's, you got a headmaster's stamp, which was very, very special. Do you know, every year from year seven to year 11, I got six A's. Every year, I was always one short of that head of year stamp. I was never quite good enough. I literally didn't quite make the grade. And I'm not saying that to make you feel sorry for me. This isn't a pity party. I'm saying it because it's real. And I'm saying it because there are people watching or listening to this who know how that feels, who know what I'm talking about. There'll be people who are watching here tonight who've been through a similar situation that you know what it feels like to be weighed down by a feeling of insecurity, by a feeling of not quite being good enough, a feeling that you, you whatever you do, it doesn't quite cut it. And in Gideon's reply, Gideon says, oh, I'm too small, I'm not good enough. 
and we, we find our own feelings in that. And, and if what I'm saying is resonating with you this morning, then let this be God's message to you. Because God says, I'll be with you. I believe in you. And I've learned to believe that when you believe in a God who is willing to believe in you, you discover an incredible inner peace, you discover a confidence, and that empowers you and inspires you to go out and make a difference. You know, when we discover who God says we are, we get to have our lives rebuilt, and we get to partner with God in rebuilding the lives of the people around us. God said, the Lord is with you, Gideon. Go in the strength you have. I'm sending you. Go in the strength you have as a result of God being with you. Can I encourage you this morning? If you're feeling weak, be strong because God is with you. If you're feeling afraid, be brave because God is with you. If you're feeling tired, be energised because God is with you. Can I tell you this morning that the status you give yourself doesn't alter the significance within you? The status you give yourself does not alter the significance within you. You are more than you've become. You're more than you've allowed yourself to become. You are more than you've told yourself you are. You're braver than you think you are. You are stronger than you think you are. Why? Because you've got God on your side. And with God, all things are possible. You know, Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And in fairness, Gideon constantly needs reassurance from God all the way through the text. We see Gideon going back to God saying, God, if, if, if this is really going to happen, would you please do this? And we'll touch on some of those stories next week. Um, because actually, God, you know, God is gracious when we ask for, for reassurance. But when we move forward into the story, something I want to talk about this morning is, is God gives Gideon a task. He says, tear down your father's idol. Now we've said that Gideon was from a, a, a low tribe and, and a low clan but actually his father was quite prominent. His father was the custodian of the Baal altar. Um, he looked after the Baal altar and um, there was a festival coming up where they would celebrate the goodness of, of Baal over their community and God says to Gideon I want you to tear that down. I want you to tear that idol down. And, and I've believed for a long time that what God says to Gideon here is really important. Because what God is saying is, listen, before you can move forward in the, in the task I have for you, before you can move forward in all I have for you, you need to tear down the idols of the past. Before you can move into freedom, before you can move forward, you need to break down what's been built up to replace me. You need to tear down those things in your past that still have prominence in your life. And some of it was Gideon's own feelings about himself, but some of it was cultural. Some of it was ancestral. Gideon was a hero with history. And there were things in Gideon's life that as long as they still had position, as long as they were still standing, they would always hold him back. The idol had to go. Now this idol was huge. It was probably about 25 feet across, maybe four and a half feet high. And it would have been made of large stones cemented together. And it would have taken an immense effort to destroy this idol. 
And so what happens is Gideon takes a team with him. We read in verse 27 that Gideon took 10 people with him. And I want you to pick that up. Gideon didn't go alone. He took people with him. The altar was too big to tear down by himself. You know there are things in our lives that are too big for us to deal with by ourselves, that are too big for us to deal with on our own. Gideon didn't deal with his past alone. He took people with him. Can I tell you, we run house groups for that purpose. We're not designed or created or intended to live life alone. It's not God's intention for us to deal with our problems alone. You know, the book of James says we should pray to God for forgiveness, but confess our sins to each other. We're designed to be in community with people. We're designed to learn together, to share together, to grow together. The early church was built on small groups, meeting together, sharing, encouraging, pastoring, praying for each other. Can I encourage you, if you're a part of your, a church, our church and you're not part of a house group, can you get in touch so we can find a house group for you? Can we, if, and if you're not part of our church, can I encourage you to get in touch so we can take you on those next steps of connecting you into all we are as a church through our house groups. You know, our house groups are small groups of people that meet together to pray together, to share with each other. And, and if you join a house group, I promise you they will love you and they will help you tear down anything from your past that might be holding you Back. Now that might be a word someone has spoken over you, it might be a past hurt, it might be a habit, it might be an addiction, something that you've been holding on to for, for such a long time that you know you need to get rid of. And our house group system is set up to help you find freedom, to help you have your hope restored and we would love to help you on that next part of your journey. So Gideon was a hero in hiding and he was a hero with a history. But God saw him and God used him to do incredible things. Can I close this morning by reminding you that the status you give yourself does not alter the significance within you. Gideon and the nation may have lost their courage. They may have lost possessions. They may have lost hope, but they didn't lose their value to God. In this whole COVID pandemic, you may have lost things. You may have lost your status or your status might have changed. Your role may have changed. Your outlook on life may have changed, but your status does not alter your significance. You are a child of God. You are chosen. You are valued. You are loved and you are called. When God calls you, he calls you what he sees you as and not by the label you give yourself. Gideon was a hero in hiding. He was holed up. But when God broke in, Gideon broke out. Let's allow God to, to help us follow Gideon out of our, our gloomy, musty wine presses, out of hiding, out of darkness, into the light, into the sunshine and into the, the air of freedom. Let's be people who don't hide away, who go out in God's strength to make a difference in our communities. We go out and we rebuild people's lives. Gideon was a hero with history. 
Can I encourage you again that you don't have to hang on to the pain or the idols of the past, but you can find community that will help you let go, find freedom and begin to restore your hope. We're going to close this morning with a song that I just love the words to of the bridge. It says this, I am blessed, I am called, I am healed, I am whole, I'm saved in Jesus' name. I'm highly favoured, anointed, filled with your power. And we can sing all those things over ourselves because we are all those things. We are who God says we are. And we are those things because God has a plan and a purpose for us. We are blessed. We are called. We are filled with his power. But we're all those things for the glory of Jesus' name. We're blessed to be a blessing. We are called, purposed and resourced to go and make a difference. So God, I pray that the words of this song would resonate deep into people's hearts and minds this morning, that they, they would have their hearts revived towards your love and your grace. They would begin a journey of having their hope restored by letting go of anything that might hold them back. And they would begin a journey of rebuilding their lives because you call them by a different name. You call us chosen and not forsaken, that you are for us and not against us. We are blessed. We are called. We are healed. We are highly favoured. We are anointed by your love and filled with your power. God, would you help us to rise out of our wine presses, to be heroes in our communities, to make a difference and see lives rebuilt for your glory in this town and in our nation. Amen.